Welcome back to Sam.gov Bids Live, episode number 25, as we're rounding out the year here, where we walk through small business solicitations together on Sam and answer your questions along the way so that you can start bidding and winning on contracts for your small business. Today, we do have five small business solicitations pulled up on Sam that we're going to be jumping into in just a second. But if you are new here and you don't want to miss future Sam.gov bids episodes, consider subscribing to the channel and clicking that notification bell so that you can ask your questions live on future streams. And if you do happen to be somebody who has recently registered your business in Sam.gov and you're looking to get started bidding, check out my website, govkidmethod.com for free and paid resources that were designed to support new federal contractors just like you guys. So welcome, and we're going to go ahead and just show a quick preview of the bids that we are going to be looking at today. All right. So number number one we have is our medical support assistant staffing base. Definitely seemed to interest for a whole host of reasons. So we're going to be diving into this bid first. And that's with the VA. Um, number two, we have advisory and program management support. And this is going to be with the Air Force. Number three, we have grounds maintenance services out of Kansas City with the Army. Number four, we have janitorial and carpet cleaning services out of Avoca, uh, New York. And this is with uh, Department of Agriculture. And number five, we do have a, po a post deployment. There's, they have these, they're pre and post. So this is the post deployment yellow ribbon event you guys are going to start seeing more of these pop up as we head into well as we get into 2023 rather and this is of course with the um, national guard all right let me just we're already we're already getting the uh the x-rated stuff in the chat we are totally live so let's go ahead and kick them out welcome everybody if you are new here if this is your first live stream let me know in the chat what's going on and also um what state are you in uh so it's always cool to see what location around the country everybody is dialing in from welcome everybody and again if this is your first new live stream extra welcome for you and let me know that this is your first time and again what state are you guys located in um i just want to let you know that uh, all these bids that we go through, I never look at them ahead of time. I pull up what looks interesting, but I keep them raw. I keep them real so that we can go through them unedited with you because that's what you're going to be doing. If you're streaming in, if you're watching something like this, it means you're interested in bidding. It, it means you're interested in learning about this, maybe even trying to win contracts for your small business. Um, we keep it raw and real for you so that you can be along for that ride. And, and if there's stumbling blocks, if there's things that don't make sense, if contracting um, forgot to add something or something doesn't make sense. You get to see that, um, instead of giving you like the polished version and then you go out and try and do it on your own. And you're like, this doesn't look like, you know, what I, what, what Derek was showing. So for that reason, um, we, we keep everything. Like I only look at them for two seconds to see if they're interesting. And then I just pull them and, um, I kind of, that's how I do my list ahead of time. So the way this works is, Hey, everybody, what's going on in the chat? Let's go guys. How's everybody doing? Um, the way this works, this is totally live. So we have um, five bids we're going through today. I'm going to get started with the first bid. And then after that, I'm going to come over to the chat. Um, if you have questions about your business, something that you're going through or you're working on, strategy, whatever, um, 
I, I take like a short amount of time to answer those questions. So if you have those, put those in the chat and we bounce between bids and chat, bids and chat. And we'll do that for about an hour and then we'll wrap it up. So let's go ahead. That's how it's going to work. And we'll just go ahead and get started again with our first bid today. And yes, we've got some uh, new timers here. Awesome, guys. So number one, medical support assistance service um, staffing base. Okay, they're giving us a solicitation number here, which is different than the notice ID. So I'm not sure if that's a previous um, contract uh, number. We'll kind of see as we, we go into this more. This is due actually December, uh, let's see, original, December 5th, updated December 19th. So this bid is due December 19th. You do have less than a week, not long at all to go after this. This is SDVOSB set aside. So you do have to be SDVOSB certified through the VA in order to go after this solicitation. Okay. We do have one, two, three, four uh, attachments. And we have an amendment, original solicitation doc. And I'm not sure what it, the other ones are because they're not labeled. So let's kind of dive in and see what we're working with. We don't have any info uh, attached in the listing description other than C attachment two. So we are going to be re reliant on our attachments. We do see a couple updates have been made over the past month. And Jerry Danso at the VA is going to be our POC and our person in contracting. So I'm going to go ahead and try to get started with our solicitation document. And um, like I said, I haven't even pulled any of these up. So we're just going to kind of go into them and see what we can, uh, what trouble we can get into. All right, so this is how many pages? 27 pages for the solicitation document. We are starting off today with a standard form 1449, that SF-1449 form into a table of contents. Uh, they are wanting you to fill this information out on behalf of your company straight into the statement of work, performance of work statement. And we don't know exactly what this is for based on that title. And again, what was that title? If I can get it back here. Medical Support Assistant Staffing. Okay. Let me zoom in a little bit for you. But they are saying here, st supply staffing services for 20 medical support assistants. Okay. 20 bodies. Okay. For part-time and or full-time work. And the employees will be expected to come into the office. So it's not going to be remote or virtual. The staffing services will not exceed 20 full-time positions at any given time. So let me just quickly go over that again. It says 20 medical support assistants for part-time and or full-time, but then it also says will not exceed up to 20 full-time positions. So this isn't really telling us more than it's not going to be more than 20, but it's not really giving us too much clarification of like how many part-timers, how many full-timers, which is what I would want to know. And I think you would want to know as well. Maybe we'll find our way into some hours as we go through this, um, but we'll kind of just kind of just see. But that, in a nutshell, gives us a really good look. Okay, this is actually a um, a good size uh, sizable requirement, especially for for small govcons. Um, Twenty bodies would definitely be a great contract for most. They're giving us some of the qualifications that those assistants will have to have. So if you're recruiting, you're looking for people. Um, you would want to be having that conversation over the phone and via email. And that's the great information you can 
hope to find in a statement of work. We do find ourselves coming up into a pricing schedule and we did come across some hours. So it is 20,800 hours and typically like a one, like a one person full-time would be um, like 1920. So I'm just going to go ahead and divide that into that. So that's like 10 and a half, that'd be 10 and a half full-timers. Um, so we know that there's going to have to be some, some part-timers in there. So it doesn't help terribly uh, too much. Again, 1920 is typically one, one year uh, full-time manpower. POP begins, period of performance begins December 29th of this year. Okay, so work is going to be starting in like a couple weeks. So they're going to have to get this awarded soon if they hope that you're going to be able to perform on the contract, right? Um, odds are, though, this is going to be pushed back. I think it's probably going to be pushed back. I don't see contracting awarding that quickly, although they, they do and they can. It's just not typical. And it's saying it will end um, next June for this period. And then it will pick back up next June and go through December. So they're doing six month options instead of the typical um, one year options. So it is going to be a base plus four, but it's not going to be four years. It's going to be four options where each option is six months. So we kind of just take, you know, there's a lot of information there. Um, I'm going to quickly scroll through some of this other stuff, but we, we take the information in stride and then we start to piece together a puzzle in a way that makes sense. That's how we read bids. We don't read them page by page, line by line. It is a Easter egg hunt. It is a seek and find thing where you are looking for specific information. And I always say also, you, you have to learn to read and that's, that's what this process is. Bef before you can write, you need to learn how to walk before you can run. So we have reps inserts, just quickly scrolling because we do, don't forget, have three other documents. So we're just gonna pick the pace a little bit here. Lots of reps inserts, maybe even a wage termination, which is quickly looking for instruction offers or evaluation factors. Did not see those, gonna do a quick control F. I did quickly go over, skipped over this one, the boilerplate instruction offers. They will typically give us something more specific, but they have not. So I'm going to double check for evaluation. And we may have something that we're working with. This is somewhat more helpful because I just lost it. Okay. Price alone and technical acceptability are the sole evaluation factors. So price alone and technical acceptability are the only evaluation factors. Sounds like they would be going lowest price technically acceptable based on that. Uh, quotes will be evaluated. Lowest price quote will be evaluated to determine if the quoted price exceeds the amount of funding available. If the quoted price does not exceed the amount, the quoted price will be evaluated to determine if it is reasonable. If the quote is found to be reasonable, the offer who submitted the quote will be identified as the successful offer or the winner. Okay. So first they're going to make sure you're technically acceptable and then they're going to check your price. And if your price does not exceed if your price is the lowest and it doesn't exceed uh, what they think it's going to cost, which is also the IGCE, the independent government cost estimate, uh, guys, keep this in mind with all government contracts. Uh, there is a PM, there is a end user, there is um, an SME, somebody behind the scenes with the napkin 
writing down what they think this should cost, and they're going to do their own research to back up into those numbers. They are comparing your price to that, and they're going to have a margin plus or minus, right? A percentage that they're willing to go over or willing to go under um, to determine whether your price is going to be reasonable or not. So based on what we just read and how the winning bidder is going to be chosen on this, which should also influence and impact your strategy and your pricing strategy in this case, is it is going to be an LPTA bid. So if you don't think you can be the lowest price on providing these up to 20 medical assistants, then you shouldn't go after it. But if you think you can and you think you can be competitive and come in, then you stand a chance at winning. That's how this reads. That's what this really means to you as we're reading to it, reading through it rather. And that was the goodies out of this document. So I'm just going to close that out. And we've already spent a lot of time on this bid. Chat, I'm, I'm coming for you in just a second here um, to say hellos and welcome everybody. Just quickly want to go through these um, other attachments and just see what else there is. So we do have an amendment, guys. What do we say about amendments? We have to formally acknowledge them. How do we formally acknowledge them? We have to print, sign, and date these separately and in addition to the SF-1449 form. Um, the purpose of this amendment is to cancel RFQ. The government no longer has a need for this requirement. No, no responses are required at this time. So this would have been a really good... Uh, did you catch that? First off, I want to make sure everybody caught that. Okay. Solicitation's canceled. It's canceled. Okay. We only spent 10 minutes on today, but imagine somebody didn't catch that until tomorrow and they spent four hours working on it today. Okay, this is why we have to go through all the attachments and we want to go through them relatively quick, quickly to see what they're all about, see what they have for us and to hunt and find for information. Um, that would have been really great to put in the description as an update instead of see attachment two, they do have view changes here. Um, and that change does not indicate that this was canceled. So that's not really helpful either. So this one is dead in the water. Like I said, I don't look at these ahead of time. This is hilarious. Uh, it's not actually not hilarious. I don't know what happened with contracting. There's probably something going on with an incumbent contract, but I'm glad you got to see it because if you were somebody or, or you have a, a team member or a virtual assistant or a spouse or whatever, who's helping you guys with this stuff, you're plus one. Um, they may not have caught it for sure. And you may have not have caught it as well. And I don't want you investing a lot of time in things that are not going to be a good fit for your business. This would not be a good fit for your business because it's dead in the water. So let's go ahead and close this out. And in the future, if that ever happens to you, you can close it out when you find it, hopefully sooner than later. Okay, phew, we made it. What's going on, chat? We have, um, let's see, Z Zawasiak. Hello there. <laughs> I probably butchered that. Apologies. Thanks for hanging out. Um, Jay Shin, first time in California. Let's go, California. Bryce Leroy, Las Vegas, first time as well. Um, thanks for hanging out with us, Bryce, representing Las Vegas. Awesome. Dr. Jerry Brown, thanks for your service. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Jerry Brown. Thanks for uh, having you here, or it's good to have you here, rather. Um, do I need to have the business registered in the U.S.? Yeah, um, typically you would. Um, there are things like, you know, because we all know about getting the cage code with Sam. But if you're outside the country, um, but you are a country that participates with NATO territories, instead of getting a cage code, you would get an N cage code. So for a NATO cage code, 
And um, you can learn more about that. I'm not a pro. I actually have very little experience doing anything outside the United States. So I'm really not your guy for that. But the Federal Service Desk, um, if you just go to sam.gov, find the Federal Service Desk. They have a, a U.S. phone number and an international phone number. You could call them and ask them these sorts of questions to make sure that you get on the right track from the get-go so that you don't you know, spend a lot of time going in circles because you're going to get demoralized. You're going to get fed up and you, you may even throw in the towel if it gets to be too heavy. So I would recommend calling the, the Federal Service Desk and you could find that at sam.gov website and go to the very bottom of the page. Um, there should be contact us, something like that down there. All right, we got the juicy uh, finesse queen show. Greetings, this is my first time. Welcome, and I am in Florida. Awesome. You know, I'm about 30 minutes from Pensacola, so I'm not used to being close to people in Florida, but I am since I moved down here to Gulf Shores. Alicia Mitchell, Georgia, what's up? Thanks for hanging out. We have uh, we got Tressa O. Hey, seen you on YouTube, Chicago. Here, yes, I want to learn to win. And guys, I always say the best formula, the best strategy for learning to win when you are first starting out, because there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of shiny objects out there. And you hear me rant about that too. The best, the shortest path, the easiest thing to focus on, the best place to sink your teeth into and to do the work in is one, learn how to bid. And then once you learn how to bid and you do your first federal bid, right, your first Fed bid, then you want to play the numbers game. And I, I want you to aim for 20, 10 to 20 bid submissions over a, a whole year. Okay. So that gets you to doing like less than two a month. Okay. It's like one, one and a half a month or something like that. It's very doable. And if you respond to 10 to 20, you should be winning one or a couple. Okay. That's the way those numbers work out. You could be winning a heck of a lot more than that, but I just, I'm giving you a, a realistic expectation, a realistic, um, work orders to now go and do this. If you can do 10 to 20, and then in addition to that, every one that you do request a proposal debrief with contracting, you're not always going to get it, but this way you can get feedback and start getting better with each and every bit. Okay. So that's my prescription. That is the formula. That is the best way for you to win. If you are brand new to the space, or if you have been in the space for a while, but you haven't won anything, that is where you want to get started. All right, we'll take a few more here. Then we'll go on to bid number two. John Kirby, Derek, if it is a simplified acquisition, meaning under 250, does that mean base and the four option years? Yes, it does. It is not just the first year. It is all years wrapped up. Um, if it's 250 for one year and 250 for the next year and 220 for the third year, that's not going to be a simplified acquisition bid. And I'm from Montana. Welcome representing Montana. We have Neat Method. Uh, hey there, this is my first time. I'm located in Chicago. Awesome. Question, must your company be registered in another state in order to bid for a contract out of that state? No, not for federal contracting. City, state, local, county, it's different. For federal contracts, if you are registered with SAM.gov, you have your cage code, you are allowed to bid on contracts on all 50 states. Okay, so I'm answering the question in terms of going after contracts on SAM or going after federal contracts, um, you don't have to register in specific states or anything like that. Whatever state you're registered in for your business is what's going to be allowed for you to then register that business in SAM. And then when you register in SAM, you are able to go after bids in all 50 states. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, to that question a lot, I don't know if there's conflicting information out there. It's really not that difficult to understand. I don't think 
Um, but maybe there's conflicting information out there. I know some people are like, well, if you're going to actually do business in the state, you need to get a business license in that state. But if you're using subs, your subs are already going to be registered in that state. So, you know, some I, I don't know if that's what it is or, or not. All right, guys, let's go ahead and um, bounce back over to um, bid number two here. Love the questions, love the engagement. It has been a few weeks, so I know we're kind of playing catch up. And then I promise I will um, we'll pick back up on the chat where we left off if I didn't get to you yet. And if you do have your, your business-related questions or if you're just hopping in, um, feel free to post those. And let's keep rolling. Grounds Maintenance Services, Kansas City. Okay, this is with the Army, Mick. Mission and Installation Contracting Command. Fort McCoy uh, is where contracting is out of, which is actually in Wisconsin. Um, due date, December 20th. Actually had some contracts out of Fort McCoy. That's why I know that. Um, December 20th, small business set aside. Uh, 561-730 Landscaping Services. Again, this is grounds maintenance. So we don't know if it's going to be summer, if it's going to be winter. It, if this is going to be, yeah, I mean, it could be both. It's probably going to be both, but we'll see. I haven't looked at it yet. We have some listing description information. They are citing an SF-1449 form, a pricing schedule amendments, and some supplementary info. So let's just take a look. One, two, three, four, five, six attachments. Um, we have a sample service ticket. Not a big deal. Um, pest management application reporting form. So we know we're going to have some pest management. We're already starting to piece this puzzle together. Attachment three, OPSEC, attachment grounds drawings. Okay, so that's a drawing. Um, we have our pricing schedule here and then our solicitation. So the pricing and the solicitation are going to be the primary docs that we look at today. And I think we had a question for the previous bid. Was that STVOSB set aside? Yes, it was. Um, a lot of the contracts you see coming out of the VA will be VOSB or SDVOSB. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, but again, this one, this one is total, total small. And what do you have to do to be total small business? Nothing. You have to be a living, breathing um, business that is technically small in accordance with the um, size standard, which we can actually see right here is eight and a half million. So if your trailing average of revenue over the last three years is not exceeded eight and a half million, then you are considered a total small business. You don't need to get a piece of paper. You don't have to go through any uh, official certifications. This is the one set aside that you don't really have to do anything other than just be small and you will be allowed to go after these total small contracts. And there's a lot of them. And this is, again, why I love you starting out in this place and majority of the contracts we cover are for total small because everybody can go after them. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't you know involve any time. Um, distraction of focus. SF-1449 form we have here leading right into our, basically that copy and pasted information uh, from the SAM backup listing page. It's a bit more comprehensive here. So they are saying this is going to be simplified acquisition. We had a question about that earlier. Um, they don't always just point this out so noticeably as number one, this will be, you know, simplified acquisition. So under 250K, but, you know, good to know. Number two, a period of performance is going to start next year, January 1, and go for a full year. And then after that, they're going to do it four more times if they decide to execute those option periods. And then on top of that, they may do another six months. Okay. So up to base plus four, so five years plus another six. So up to five and a half years, um, which if this is simplified acquisition under 250K, that's, that's got to be small, right? It's got to be like less than 50K a year. Um if you just do the math, quotes shall be emailed to Jeremy L. Berlin. 
and that is sometimes we see mismatch, but Jeremy is who we have on the same deck of listing page here too. So that checks out. Contractor shall provide the following documents with submission. SF1449 form. Got it. Completed information from the supplemental information sheet, which is what we're looking at right now. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> Completed price schedule, which is attached. And then any amendments, um, we can acknowledge those. So easy enough. If a quote is based on teaming or partnering, like you were doing legal middleman stuff, um, provide with the quote that agreement. So like your teaming agreement. Set aside for small business. Okay, so they're giving us incumbent. We get questions about incumbent, Derek. What does incumbent mean? Um, it means who's currently doing the work or who's the, done the work in the past. They're giving you the previous award number. You can look this up in uh, FSPD, uh, FPDS. Um, and they are telling you the value. And when I just kind of ballpark that, hey, it's going to have to be less than 50K a year if you extend it out. That's actually pretty spot on because we're seeing this is 48864 um, for the one year period it appears for the company called quality first cleaning contractors. So if you want to come in right underneath this, maybe you can win. And if they're giving us this too, like it's probably going to be lowest price LPTA. Um, haven't seen that yet, but I'm just already starting to think that. So like so much amazing information that we just found. If you're paying attention, I hope you saw that, or you know, this is available on replay too. But like that was that was money right there. That was really, really helpful information. What else do we got? Looking for sections instead of okay. Yeah, they're not really giving it to us, but I can tell this is, yeah, specific tasks. This is really like statement of work type stuff. So this is pretty important. Um, just wanting to get high level grounds maintenance. It could mean many things. What is it? So lawn maintenance. So we've got that. Edging, trimming, all that good stuff. Pruning. Number two, lawn maintenance. Okay. Mowing type three, mowing type four. They're going to allow you to price those separately in that pricing sheet. We're going to look at in just a minute. And this is all going to make sense. It's probably going to be easier to find it on there because there's a lot to read through. Um, fall cleanup, stuff like that. I didn't see anything about the pest info. Um, so that's also on my radar. Unless I just skipped through it way too fast, which is entirely possible. But I didn't see it. Then we go into our wage determination. What do wage determinations do? They tell us the minimum that we have to pay our employees. They do not tell us what we have to pay them. It's just the minimum. Then we go into pricing cleanse. Okay, eight months. They want you to price for April through November. And it's going to be Kansas City. They give you the, the Army Reserve, like the ARC, the Army Reserve Center or the Army Reserve Facility. And they're breaking that down by those different tasks, weed and feed spring and fall cleanup and then we go into our options so option one option two let's kind of quickly scroll through these and if you're just joining guys uh we're on our second bit of the day uh yeah all the way through option four 
on our second bit of the day, then we'll be hopping back to the chat. If you got your questions, feel free to post those into our delivery schedule. I love delivery schedules here because they tell you cool information like the exact start and end dates, which these are subject to change. If contracting doesn't get this awarded by January 1st or you know, actually before January 1st, um, you, most of you guys freak out and you're like, well, how am I supposed to perform on January 1st? And if it's the 27th and they haven't even awarded the contract, don't worry, they are going to push it back. Uh, they, they just always do. Technically, it is the date here, but they always push it back. So uh, it also tells us, so this delivery schedule, it also tells us the option performance periods as well. And then I also like it because it gives us like a phone number. Usually there'll be a core listed. If you ever see a name over here with a phone number, it's the contracting officer's representative. It's going to be the, the person who's boots on ground. It's going to be the person who's checking your work with, you know, a scorecard and um, good person to try and build a relationship with. But just remember when it comes to cores, you can't do what they say. A lot of people are like, oh, the, the core is so much more responsive than the contracting officer. Contracting officer is in a totally different state in the contracting office. The core, like I met with him yesterday and he's he works there or she works there and um, like I have a relationship with them. They're asking me to do this thing or uh, they're asking me to like add this thing on or basically any change you could think of. You cannot listen to them. And it's a funny situation to be in because they will act like they are in authority. They will act like they are, they're the real ones to listen to, right? Because they're the ones that are there here and now and contracting again, is in a state away. So you need to um, listen to it and do what they say wrong. You can never, ever listen to this person. All they can do is enforce the contract, but they cannot make changes to the contract. Why? Because they are not obligated. They don't have a, a warrant license. They do not have an officer's license to obligate funds which a contracting officer does. Like they have to go through a number of tests and their dollar threshold of the amount of funds they're able to obligate uh, changes with each you know test and examination period that they go through and they test it out of. The core doesn't do any of that. So they are not allowed to spend any money. And because the core is not allowed to spend any money, they're not allowed to make any changes to the contract. So any changes to the contract um, that the, the core wants you to do must be made in writing to the contracting officer and then it's up to the the, the CO or the KO, the, whoever's in contracting, to amend the contract to make those changes or to interpret the contract. The core can only enforce what is already there. So hopefully that makes sense. It's a bit, a bit of a soapbox, but it's not one that I go on all the time. So I figured I would just sneak it in. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. When you win your first contract, you will know what I'm talking. You will know what I'm talking about. Um, we have a valuation here, um, whatever's most advantageous. They are saying to the quote that is lowest price. So they are, it does sound like they're going to be going lowest price on this. As we suspected. Reps and certs. And like I said, I really antsy to just get over to that pricing sheet. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. All right, so we're yeah we're good on that one. Let's go ahead and just quickly look at the pricing sheet, and then we're going to bounce back over to the chat. But we have this neat little pricing schedule. Hopefully, it's neat. It is an Excel document. I have not seen it before, but it is all right. So I I, I think it is helpful. 
Yeah, it, it is helpful. I don't know where the pest thing came in. We saw it initially, but then we never saw it again. But they're reflecting the pricing clins here. Grounds maintenance type one and two. Annual grounds maintenance for... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just for the weed and feed. This actually does not require any pricing. Um, and then the semi-annual grounds maintenance, spring and fall cleanup. Okay, so it's one number, one number, one number. So it's going to be three numbers added up and then extended across all the option periods. When it comes to option periods, guys, if you're quoting stuff for multiple years, please make sure that you factor in uh, inflation, you factor in any escalations. If you're working with subcontractors, factor in potentially their prices increasing. This is called reasonable pricing. If you keep your prices the same for five years, that is not reasonable. It can actually work against you, um, even though you're technically charging more money. If you're going to escalate your price anywhere from two to five percent year on year, then contracting is going to look at this and be like, they're not accounting for what things may cost three or four years from now. We're not so sure about this quote anymore. So anytime you do see those option periods, make sure you're building it for a small escalation to account for those factors. I think I've had enough fun <laughs> with this one, to be honest. It seems to be a pretty straightforward. So let's just go ahead and check back in with the chat and we'll just pick up where we left off, which I believe was with, uh, let's see here. Um, La Lavish Stoner. Uh, hello, Derek. We just set up our Zoom call to join your program. Hey, awesome. Um, yep, you will be meeting with uh, Lala, a member of my team and learning more about your business. That's kind of how that works. So you apply to book a call. So we definitely look forward to learning more about your business and potentially working together if it's going to be a good fit. So awesome. Very, very good. Devonda McLeod, how do you find out who won the bid? It will be posted um, It will be posted on Sam.gov as the as an award. And you'll get to see the incumbent name and, or not the incumbent name, the newly awarded company, whoever won, to see their name. And you'll get to see the, the dollar value that is awarded for if you were somebody who bid on the contract yourself, um, you could also make that inquiry into contracting and you may be able to gain that information sooner than it being posted on Sam. Uh, Melita R, how do you source and recruit for a contract that requires many employees? Is that, is that feasible for a beginner? Melita, you could work with a staffing company, um, just you know, depending on the, the contract, if there are limitations on subcontracting that apply to you. Um, you still want to make sure that you're performing a minimum percentage of your work. If LOS does not apply to you, then you can, you know, have a staffing company fill the whole thing. The other point worth mentioning, Melita, is that oftentimes with uh, staffing and more body type contracts, oftentimes there are incumbent employees, at which point in time when you're trying to bid on it, the government may be asking for like resumes and letters of intent and, you know, show us the your team, right? But then if you actually win the contract and say it was for like eight people and those eight people are actually already doing like there's incumbent employees already doing that work, you have to offer something called the right of first refusal. So you have to offer those eight employees to keep their job. You can't just come in and clean house and say, I want to use my people. You all get out like you can't do that. Um, and on the flip side of that same coin is that could actually be a, a good benefit because that means you don't have to go out and find all eight people. Thing is, if you're winning the contract, and in some cases you're winning it based on price, maybe you're planning on paying the people less than what they're being paid for. So you make them the job offer and they don't take it. 
because they're like, I'm not going to take like a reduction in pay or they take it. And then like one of our bid team students who recently won uh, multiple contracts for staffing, um, the first contract he won, it was for one person. And within a month, that person had resigned. Why? Because he won on price. He won the contract. But the person who was you know, doing the job, they were not doing it for this amount. So they accepted it. They kind of milked it until they could find another job. And then they jumped ship. And then my bid team student had to backfill that position. Not a problem. It happens all the time. So just know those types of situations can can happen. That's kind of the real behind the scenes um, to answer your question. Devonda, can you send an email to the contracting officer to see what you may have done wrong? Yep, it's called doing a, a proposal debrief. Uh, you request a proposal debrief. Sometimes they will honor it, sometimes they won't. And they go through your proposal with you and tell you like what you can improve on and stuff. But the thing is you want to have a list of proposal debrief questions prepared ahead of time. You don't want to just just show up because then you kind of look silly. So the key for proposal debriefs is you got to have those questions. There are certain questions that you do want to ask um, to make sure that you are you know asking the right questions. And there's certain questions that you can't ask either. Um, so, yep, uh, Edgar Nobles, thank you for your trainings. Hey, so much. Uh, you're so welcome. Elite Affirmations. Hey, Derek, I'm currently learning. Do I need to verify my identity with Sam to do contracting? You have to register your, your business with Sam.gov to get a cage code um, to do contracting. I'm not sure if that was the question. Juicy uh, Finesse Queen, that's cool to know. I assumed you were further away um, and you can call me Bambi, just FYI. All right, Bambi. Uh, I will try to remember that. Bryce, even though that bid is dead in the water, could you have middlemaned that deal? even if you are not skilled in that particular industry, how would you have done it? So I'm trying to remember which one this was. Was this for the 20 people at the VA? Um, it would be much harder to middleman the, the contract for the 20 people at the VA because number one, um, limitations on subcontracting is going to apply, which means it's not gonna be beneath 250K because it's for 20 people. So that path of legal middlemaning would not be able to apply to that. Um, and then the second thing is you could use a similarly situated, similarly situated entity approach to do legal middlemaning. Um, but that would mean since this was SDVOSB set aside, then you're going to have to find another sub that's SDVOSB set aside as well. And if you do find one, they probably have a cage code and they're probably just going to want to bid it directly. They're not going to want to like just give you a number. Um, so this one would be a lot harder to legally middleman for that reason, if that makes sense. Limitations on subcontracting will apply, right? Because they don't always apply if it's below 250K or if it's not set aside for small business. This is above 250K. This is set aside for small business. So LOS does apply. And it is also the cherry on top because if it was total small business set aside, it would be easier to work with another small business as a similarly situated entity but since that one was SDVOSB set aside, then you would have to find another SDVOSB set aside subcontractor to be a similar situated entity to, to legally middleman through them. Um, and you're not gonna be able to find that because they're just gonna be bidding in on it direct. Um, that's a lot of information. Like that's probably the fastest I broke down LOS ever. Um, I don't know if, if any of you guys followed that, but I do have a, um, a middleman masterclass on my website where I break that down like over an hour. And starting next year, I do have something called the legal middleman method. There's so many questions. 
I think it's actually the number one thing that we're getting questions about um, how to legally middleman because I'm hearing that there is information out there in the industry telling you to just pass through contracts and they're skipping the legal part of it, meaning there is a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And if you do it wrong and you do get caught, um, I do have a number of articles where small business, you know, small govcons, they go to jail, they have to pay back hundreds of thousands of dollars in restitution, just not a good look. And if, if that information is being thrown around there carelessly, that is dangerous. And um, I would just warn you guys to be careful who you're taking information from. That's why I'm creating the legal middleman method. Um, my bid team already has it. I released it to my bid team a week ago, but I am going to be sharing some information and how you can uh, gain that, that knowledge more in depth uh, starting next year. So if that all interests you, um, feel free to check that out. But right now we do have the free middleman masterclass on my website. If you want to start going through that first, that is totally available right now. And then I'll be removing that um, and replacing it with the new thing uh, starting next year. Neat method. Thank you, GovKids. You are so welcome. I'm just checking the time here. Um, Dallas checking in. Awesome. Awesome. Can your business model for your company be teaming only and be successful? Yeah, that's like the legal middleman method like I was talking about. You can. There's just a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Um, and I could spend an hour going into that. How important is your address in Sam? It has to be a physical address. If you try to do a virtual address, they're going to kick you back. And it's just going to take you so much longer to get registered because you're not going to get registered. It has to be a physical address. Awesome. Awesome. I was trying to register as WSB, but my registration was rejected. Any ideas why? You just have to ask them. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but they should be telling you why. Uh, yeah, like they have you upload a number of documents. So it could be related to your documentation or it could be like uh, an address thing too. Like if you were using a virtual address, I'm not sure. Definitely going to go through it ASAP. Perfect. Awesome. What's up? Um, I, I got somebody on Facebook saying, hey, what's going on? Uh, you have to log in through StreamYard on, on Facebook. The directions are there. Then I can actually see who you are. Um, otherwise, it just says Facebook user. But either way, shout out to you, mystery person and Tony. And then we'll go ahead and get to our next bid. Tony says, do you have any ideas, uh, any videos rather, that describe the steps you take after your bid is accepted? So meaning like you win the contract. So when you win the uh, contract, I don't have any videos on it. My goal is to like get you to win the contract. Um, I will tell you that contracting is extremely helpful once you do win the contract because now their success is tied to your success. So as upfront, uh, contracting is kind of cold and not very communicative. Um, once you win the contract, they're still not as communicative, but they communicate with you a little bit more. And then they are a lot more kind of open with you once you win for the reason I just said. So just know for questions about billing and invoicing, uh, they're going to be able to get you set up with, you know, if it's going to be in WAF or it's going to be credit card payment, they'll be able to give you even a designated like POC from accounts payable on their side uh, to help you out with payments, you know, in terms of a next step, in terms of performing the work, you should have some sort of start of work meeting and it can be in person or it could be over the phone. Um, so you're going to have some sort of like a kickoff meeting or just something leading up to performing the work. If you have to provide information over to contracting in terms of like getting people access to the base and filling out forms and all that sort of stuff, that will be the time um, and the communication that will happen regarding that. So that's another next step. And then what was the last thing I was going to mention? 
maybe I'll think of it. It kind of just flew my mind here. Kings, uh, if I remember it, Tony, I'll, 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 I'll say it again. If I remember the last thing I was going to say, I own a recruiting agency and we're um, looking for a contract. What can I do to get started? Well, if you're not registered in Sam and you don't have a cage code yet, you have to go to Sam.gov and you have to start there. Once you have your cage code and you're ready to start doing this thing, then you need to start learning how to bid. And you do that by submitting your first bid and you can submit your first bid by you know watching a lot of our live trainings that we have here on the channel or whatever resources you can kind of find, but kind of getting that first one done and out so that you can start doing more is, is kind of the process. Mr. Cash, do you need a seller's tax exempt certificate when reselling? If you're doing items, um, yeah, you can request that. It's going to be state. It's going to be state sales tax. So you guys have to remember that um, state sales tax is funny and they don't talk about it a whole lot because it's different for every state. So whatever state you're going to be claiming that sales tax in, you have to check and see what their tax exemption form is. You can ask contracting for that or you could just go and search the state, literally go on Google, type whatever state it is, um, exemption form. That way, whoever you're going to be, if you win, whoever you're going to be um, supplying the equipment from, they're not going to charge you sales tax because we cannot charge tax to the government. We just can't do it. Um, but that way we don't get stuck footing that bill either. It just shouldn't be charged from the get go. So you can either ask contracting or you can, um, you can just do the search. And then once you find it, you can like send it to contracting that sort of thing. And thank you so much, Mr. Cash. Is this, is this, uh, is this Jeremiah Cash by chance? I believe it is. Thank you so much for the super sticker. Greatly appreciated, but not necessary. Thank you so much. And then Scott Lee, and then we'll, I promise we'll go to our next bid after this comment. Can you legally middleman under 250, uh, under 250,000 over one year? Um, yeah. So Scott Lee, uh, same question. Simplified acquisition is for all years. It's not for just one year. So it has to be the entire contract value. It can't just be for one year. So it, yeah, it can't just be the first year. It has to be all, all the years have to add up to 250K. That's what simplified acquisition is for. Otherwise, if it's 250K a year, you're looking at $1.25 million contract doing simplified acquisition if you're doing four option periods. And that's too large to use simplified acquisition on. That's what contracting would say. All right, on to the next bid. I don't even think we're going to have enough time to go through all of these because we have so many awesome questions and so much awesome engagement. And by the way, guys, if you're getting value from this, if you like today's video, I forgot to mention, smash the like button, please. It certainly does help um, let the algorithm know to recommend this video. And if you're watching and you're not subscribed yet, consider subscribing to the channel so that you don't miss future live streams because we do these every month, um, every week rather. Uh, that way you can ask your questions like these on future live streams. And if you're not subscribed, you're going to miss out. So why not subscribe? Janitorial and carpet cleaning services, Avoca, New York. Department of Agriculture, this is due December 30th. So a couple of weeks, here's a small business set aside. There you go. Okay, let me zoom in a bit for you here. Interested parties are urged and expected to inspect the site. So they're going to have site visits. They're either going to have pre-arranged site visits or you're going to have to call and request your own. We'll see if they if they um, specify. Please contact the facility to find out what days they will be receiving vendors. 
yeah, it sounds like they've got something in mind. Kieran Greenwood, Gina Stiltner in contracting well, office manager. Looks like they they may be the cores or they may be the people facilitating the site visit rather. Attachments, we have three. We actually have question and answer. I love the end here. They didn't want to, <laughs> they didn't write out and we're just, we're just, we're just doing N now. We're just using straight up millennial slang. Uh, question and answer. Um, all right. We have, uh, looks like a wage determination and then our solicitation doc, which we will get started with. And I know I go fast. I know we cover a lot, guys. Um, I'm just trying to get through it all. And I see so much great information. I just want to get it across to you. So please keep in mind that once the live is over, the pre or, or like the recording is immediately replaces it. And then you can go and watch this on replay. That way you can pause, rewind. If there was something that I, I went over too quickly. So they are mentioning simplified acquisition. I think today's like the day of simplified acquisition. So they're telling us to straight up instructions, right? Complete the SF1449 form, which we haven't seen that yet. Complete the price schedule. Haven't seen that yet either. They're saying here, the Department of Agriculture is a tax exempt agency. We just talked about this. List of key personnel. Completion of reps and certs. And then register in SAM. Registration is fee, uh, free. They're giving us a wage termination and then the evaluation. Okay, so these, they're kind of giving us line by line what they want from us to do to respond to this. Government will award best value. So we've had two LPTAs today, lowest price. Now we have a best value. Price and past performance, preferably government contract experience, but it's preferably, right? So price and past performance are the factors to be considered. I'm not seeing technical, I'm seeing price, I'm seeing past performance. Past performance may also be based on government's info on the um, on FAPIS, if you've done contracts in the past. In the case of a quota has no past performance, you will not be evaluated favorably or unfavorably. But also keep in mind guys, if you are using the legal middleman method, which again, I'm so excited to be releasing next year in January, 2023, the legal middleman method, um, you can also use subcontractors past performance. So if you don't have it, but you don't want to get that neutral rating, we'll show you how to use subs past performance in there. This is how you're going to, to tee it up. You know, they want the, the number, the name, the individuals, and then like the scope, brief description of the, the, the work performed, the tasks. Surprised they didn't ask for dollar value. Surprised they didn't ask for date. But they're saying provide up to three references. Oh, okay. They did say it up here. Within the last two years. And again, they're clarifying themselves. Federal contract, state, local, and private. So that's where the private comes in. Okay. It does not have to be government past performance. Even if they're trying to make it sound that way. It does not. It's written into the FAR, and then they have to put in here to check themselves. But if you were to just go by what you read up here, they're saying preferably government contract experience. And then you would be like, oh, man, I don't even stand a chance at winning. Yes, you do. 
Yes, you do. Site visits. Don't see the dates. So you just have to contact them to set it up, it sounds like. And here's the SF1449 form. Sorry for the bang. SF1449 form. We may have to fill out the pricing directly here because they are giving us quantities 52 weeks for the janitorial service. Then they are giving us four QD. Not sure exactly what that is. I haven't seen, I don't think I've ever seen a QD unit before, but we could figure it out. Oh yeah, it's quarterly. It's going to be quarterly cleaning. Okay. And what else? And then twice per year, and this is very common. Um, it's probably going to be, they're not telling us here, but it's probably going to be like stripping and waxing the floor or something like that. Okay, quarterly. Yeah, okay, so twice per year, strip and wax the floor. Okay, so we nailed that one. Quarterly, clean the windows inside and outside. Once per week, they want you to dust, spot clean, vacuum. And then twice per week, empty the trash, clean the counters, bathrooms, sweep and mop. So actually pretty straightforward. And if you're gonna be working with a sub, uh, go to Google, right? finding cleaning companies in this area. This is the information that they would be able to help you quote based off of, because this is exactly what they're going to be doing. Okay. Far clauses. What do we have here? Yeah, into reps and certs. Yep. So they're they're highlighting, okay, reps and certs, you know, representation. You want to check these boxes. Standard stuff. That's it for that document. Um, which termination? Let's go over to the question and answer document. Just really curious to see what intelligent questions we have today from our competitors. Who is the incumbent and what was the value? That's actually the best question you could ask, okay? If you guys are watching this live, you should always ask this question. If it's not asked, you ask it. Who is the incumbent? Again, meaning who is currently doing the work, if there is anybody, and then what is the contract price for this service or what is the current um, award number so that you can look that up in FPDS. Uh, so the answer to this is total amount with base and four options is 32000 that is tiny, right? That's tiny. So five years, you know, divide five into 32,000, right? You're looking at a little over six grand per year. That's that's insane. That's absolutely insane. A1 Cleaning is the company. You can check it out for yourself. That is just honestly a, a stupidly low number. Um, Cause that's twice a week, right? It's twice a week. So yeah. It's up to you if you even want to bid on this. Like that is a huge piece, a huge, hugely important, I'll say, piece of information. However, they did say what? They're going best value on this. That could mean they're not happy with the current uh, incumbent. It could mean that the government's willing to go up from this number 
but I don't really see them going up like past 50K or anything like that. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. It's up to you to kind of decide. But yeah, sometimes we we bid on these janitorial contracts and we're bidding on them like way, way overshooting it. And even based off of the subs numbers, you know what I'm saying? So some of these numbers just, they, they still shock me to this day. Other questions? Past performance. Okay, may past performance and references be associated with the subcontract for the work? They're saying, can I use subs past performance? This is a, this is a brilliant question. Um, I just don't know why they asked it because they can. I don't know why they're asking this. Points of contacts, this is the answer. Points of contact must be available and be familiar with the work if we contact them, okay? So don't have us call a subs, you know, for past performance or a subs past performance and they don't know what's going on here. That's what they're saying. It's basically like if you're going to, if you're going to um, use a, a friend or a colleague or a family member as a reference on your resume, you want to let them know they might be getting a phone call so that if someone starts asking you about your previous work history, then you are prepared to talk to that, right? So that's kind of like what they're saying here. How many restrooms are there? One, um, how many square feet? 3,500. Number of carpeted rooms, eight. So more like, quite honestly, these people, they didn't attend the site visit. These questions would be answered in the site visit or you, you would see it for yourself. It is a total of 4,400 square feet though. So cool stuff. I think we, we got into some really awesome, some really awesome stuff today. We'll just round out the chat and then we will wrap up because we are at our time for the day. I think we left off with Facebook user. We are staffing, but have not seen as much for our area during this time. Any recommendations or suggestions if there's anything else we should be doing? If you're not seeing a lot, it is the slowest time of the year. So we are all, you know, it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. So it is normal to not see as much as you would like at this time of year. However, if you were to go through like a, a so I, I don't want to like try to solve a problem that's not there is my point. But if it were to extend that way throughout the whole year, then you would need to relook at your uh, at your umbrella of offering your umbrella of services you may be, like you're going to have to open it up because i always say we don't have the magic wand to put the contracts on sam all we can do is work backwards from what is there and in addition to that a more tactical thing and probably something you could try more immediately is if you're looking at those solicitations um combined synopsis solicitations you're looking by both of those on your saved searches in sam.gov. What you could do is you can open it up a little bit in terms of, of notice type. So if you're looking at solicitations only, you could add to your searches pre-solicitations and you could also add sources sots because that's gonna back it up in time. Because if you're only looking at solicitations and I don't know if you are or not, but you're only gonna be looking at bids in that case that are, that are live and that are due probably over the next 30 to 60 days. If you open up to pre-solicitations and source of sorts, however, you're going to be looking at bids that are going to be coming up that aren't even released yet because the source of sought is just market research saying, hey, this bid is coming out in the future. And then what is a pre-solicitation? A pre-solicitation is the next stage of the bid after the source of sought saying, hey, you know what? This bid is going to be coming out. It's probably going to be coming out on this date. 
This is potentially the set aside we're going to be using. This is, you know, the site visit date that we're going to be having. No response required yet. This is just a pre-solicitation, but watch for it over the next 30 days. And then the bid will be coming out. So if you wanted to, in, in essence and essentially, open up your pipeline because it's not full enough, aside from expanding your umbrella offering of services, if you're not already, you could be focusing on um, adding additional searches for those notice types for pre-solicitations and source of songs. Kings 14, thank you for your response. I overheard you say state uh, that virtual addresses may be denied. Will having a, a VA be an issue? Um, yeah, yeah, like it will. Like if you don't have a physical address, you're not going to be able to be registered in SAM. They're like they're going to kick it back. It's num the number one, one of the number one reasons that you're you'll be denied your cage code and, and your SAM application. You have to have a physical address. Would you put the subs information on there and yours is a teaming agreement? Yes, that's exactly um, what I would do if I'm understanding the question correctly. You can um, let them know that you'll be teaming. And I mentioned that earlier today. So you can share your teaming uh, approach and then you list subcontractors past performance. Let's see, anybody use Unison as one a bid? We've had a bunch on the channel for sure. Uh, the pricing of the bidding process is our hang up. Um, with pricing, the thing is there's not, with these type of contracts, like meaning under 10 million, pricing is, it's actually pretty straightforward. You don't need to try to learn government pricing. Most people who struggle with pricing on smaller GovCon contracts is because they're struggling to price their own business. Um, because it shouldn't be any different. Like if you have a business and you're doing business in the commercial space and you're able to price for that, you should just be pricing that same way for the federal space. It's just the way that you're displaying that information to the government changes. They may be asking for pricing breakdowns. You may need to fill out pricing cleanse. You may need to make sure that you're paying in accordance with wage determinations. These are federal contracting specific things. Right. But if we're looking at these very small government contracts that are under $10 million, which most of you, that's what you're focused on, then the hang up is typically more on pricing your business in general. And to be honest, and I'm not saying this is this is you because I don't know, but a lot of the times, like the number one biggest thing that I see for hang up for pricing is you've never done any sort of business. You've never conducted any sort of business under your business. Then you just created an entity for the sake of registering it in SAM. And then you get to the federal space and you start trying to bid on federal contracts and you're like, I'm hung up on pricing. Well, that's not because the federal space is so hard. It's because you've never done business to begin with. Um, because if you if you do have that, it, it's the same. The government doesn't want you providing stuff different to them. They're just saying, hey, you're doing this in the commercial space. Do that for us over here in the federal space. We just need it. We just need the information and the pricing presented in a certain way because we're the government and we like to use forms and we like to use formality and structure. So you filling out the information is really like the hardest part. And once you learn that, it's fine, but actually like calculating the stuff, it shouldn't, you know, your, your overhead, your GNA, your expenses, your profit margins, those shouldn't change from what you're already, you know, doing in the commercial space. And if you're struggling with it, it's probably because you're not doing it at all yet. So we cannot put the cart before the horse. We have to have a business before we try to have a business with the government. Makes sense. And again, I'm, I'm kind of soapboxing and overgeneralizing, but that's like, that's what I see all the time. 
when you're considering placing a bid, how exactly do you include how much you should get paid when res responding to a bid? Um, you know, competitive profit margins across all industries are 10 to 20 percent. Um, then the other thing that you need to consider is what is the, the evaluation factor? How will the winning bidder be chosen? What should your strategy be? Is it lowest price or if it's best value? If it's lowest price, technically acceptable. First, you need to be technically acceptable. Then you need to be the lowest price. If you can't be the lowest price, there's no point of bidding on it, right? That's a no bid. If it's not lowest price, if it is best value, if you're the lowest price, you're probably going to be thrown out, right? So then you don't want to be the lowest price. You want to charge more. You want to be the more premium offer, but that's going to be reflected in other information besides your price, like your technical response, your past performance, and whatever else you're putting together to sell your business in your proposal. Um, so it kind of depends on the strategy too. All right. Oh, hey, Melissa. Yeah. So the thing is, because it's through Facebook, um, you have to log in through StreamYard. Um, otherwise, I won't see your name. So the instructions are there underneath it. You just, if you just comment like normal, it's just going to say Facebook user. So you're not doing anything wrong. It's just, it's just how it's set up because we are live streaming. Bryce says, how much is your current teaming middleman program? Uh, Bryce, I don't discuss um, pricing or anything like that on the channel. Um, but if you want to uh, like apply to the program, like our bid team. Um, feel free to do that. All that information is on, on our website. Um, CH Music is your program will help someone who is very new in business in general. Probably not. If you're brand new in business and you have no idea what you're doing, um, I don't, I can't help you. You need to like figure out your business first. I don't teach you how to run your business. I don't teach you how to like, cause how could I? We have IT, we have staffing, we have medical, we have transportation. We have all these different types of industries. I can't tell you how to do business in all these industries. I can help you to bring your industry to the federal space, to be competitive in the federal space, to start bidding and winning. So I, I need that raw material to work with. If you're brand new, you don't know anything about your business or anything like that, then I have no raw material to work with and I, I can't help. So that's that's what I need. Um, hello from Tampa. Hey, awesome, electrical contractor, love it. Thanks for the um, review of the addendum and, and and catching that 100%. Being new to this, that can uh, kill you easy. 100, oh yeah, 100% um, catching that, that 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 bid was actually canceled. In fact, um, we wanna make sure we're investing our time in the right bids, as I always say. And the way to do that is to learn how to read before you start trying to bid. You know, you gotta learn to walk before you can run. You gotta truly read before you can write. Guys, there is so much more to learn about bidding and winning on Sam. We do these lives. Uh, these are really just a drop in the ocean. Um, and we've talked about a number of times today. If you are looking for a step-by-step -step proven process with weekly coaching with me to make sure you're doing it right, you may be the next perfect fit to join our bid team. Um, members get the shirt, like we, we send you the swag, all that cool stuff. Um, and again, you can learn more about that at my website, govkinmethod.com to apply and book a call there. If it's something you want to get serious about for 2023. Again, guys, smash the like button. If you got value today, you enjoyed hanging out. I sure did. And if you're watching and you're not subscribed yet, consider subscribing so you can hang out with us on future live streams and ask more questions in the future. Awesome questions. Awesome engagement, guys. Um, we have like 40, 41 people hanging out with us today. Absolutely awesome. Um, and this is life-changing stuff that we do. Uh, we are in the holiday season, and this is kind of like the last thing that I'll, I'll say and encourage you uh, to do before we sign off. Um, I, I released a video 
a couple of weeks ago called My Story, God's Plan. Uh, if that is something that sounds like you would be into watching, I highly recommend you watch it. It's, it's a really good video. I've gotten amazing feedback from it. It's not a GovCon video. It's just about my story leading up to government contracting and how I came into uh, doing government contracting and then GovKid method after I lost that job um, is a lot of kind of vulnerability and sharing and a lot of stuff that resonates with a lot of people. So it's on the channel here on YouTube, uh, My Story, God's Plan. Um, the holiday season, I wanted to push that out. Um, just make sure you check it out. It's got a thumbnail that you that you can't miss with some awesome bright colors on it. So definitely check that out. All right, guys, I will let you go for now, but we will be back um, with today, Wednesday. I don't know. We're probably not going to sneak one in this week, but we will definitely be back next week for sure. So make sure, again, that way you're subscribed so you can uh, hang out next week with us and do some more fun stuff with government contracting. Michael says, hit that like button. Thank you so much. Tony, smash that like button. Appreciate you guys. And again, Mr. Cash, thank you so much for the super sticker today. Appreciate you all, as well as my bid team members that are on hanging out with us as well. We'll see you guys in the next one. Take care and be blessed. Bye.